You may be seated. Allow the little ones to uh, be dismissed to junior church. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Yeah, just put it on low. Yeah, thank you, bro. Matthew, chapter 7. I am in the midst of a uh, three-day separation from my wife. It's all good, though. Um... I mean, it's bad that she's away, but it's good. She's away with her daughter out in Ohio visiting her. And uh, you realize that you miss people that you love and care about. And uh, it's been interesting. Trying to keep busy and fill up the time. I want to turn our attention to a few verses that come at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount runs from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew 7. It is the longest discourse that Jesus gives while he is on planet earth. At least it is the longest one that is recorded in the pages of scripture. It contains some very basic elements of the Christian life. Very basic explanations of God's expectation for his followers. At the end of this sermon, Jesus gives this parable about builders and foundations begins in verse 24 runs through the end of the chapter it says this therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who has built his house on a rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone in contrast who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who has built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority. And not as the teachers of the law. I think we could safely say today that the most underappreciated part of a building is what? It's foundation. If you uh, go on Google on the internet and type in images and type in foundations. All right, how many of you have ever done that? Okay, all right, Dan has, all right, good. The reason we don't look at foundations is because we tend to underappreciate and underestimate their value. And yet the Word of God tells us that the foundation of a building is the most critical part of that building's success in accomplishing its purpose for which it has been built. I looked up the World Trade Center buildings that we now know obviously fell but it was fascinating to me to look at world trade center foundation those towers were built on six acres of landfill you know the history of the island of manhattan 
landfill put down at the bottom. Six acres of landfill that became the place where the World Trade Centers were built. Knowing that landfill is not a solid foundation, the builders of the World Trade Center entered upon an enormous engineering feat and dug down below the surface of the earth 70 feet or approximately 70 plus stories to be sure that that building, those two buildings, would be resting upon a sure and secure foundation. Why? Because a, a structure that enormous, that important, demanded a solid foundation. The architects of that building estimated that if you stood at the base of those buildings during a severe windstorm, that you would see a deflection in the building of up to three feet. An important reason to have a solid foundation. Every person that builds structures, every wise person that builds structures, knows that structures, houses, will be exposed to elements. Rain, snow, ice, wind, tornadoes, various kinds of storms. And a wise builder takes into account that every structure will encounter pressure, troubles, struggles. And their goal in building a foundation and a structure appropriately is to be sure that it can stand up to the pressures that come against it. Because every building that is on this planet experiences, experiences various types of weather. And in this parable that Jesus gives, the weather is spoken about, about as trials that come and bash against the structure. And the thing that determines the stability of the structure is not the structure itself in this parable. It is the foundation that is of fundamental or primary importance in a storm. You have to understand a little bit about Palestine to understand this story. A little bit about the land of Israel, the geographic nature of it. it the soil is of two kinds. One is extremely stony, rocky, and the other is sandy. It is a land that is by and large arid, very dry. So when storms come, you tend to end up with flash floods. Sometimes people will build in their houses in ravines to seek protection from the elements. But one of the dangers of building in a ravine was that when flash floods came, what would they do? They would bash against the foundation. And if the foundation was not on bedrock, then the house would give way or collapse under the stress of the experience. The Word of God gives us, in Matthew 7, through the words of Jesus, a story about the importance of foundations. And I would argue from this text that we as Christians need to seek to build our lives upon a solid foundation. Why? Because every person in this room will experience the elements of the world that we have been called to live in. The winds of temptation will come against your life. The flood of troubles that come from time to time, you will experience them in this life. And it is important that we as Christians build our lives upon a solid foundation so that not if, but when struggles come, when temptation comes, we are able to stand the test, not for our own glory, not so we can say, look at me, but no, look at the foundation that my life 
has been built upon. This is a parable about our life in relationship to the words of Christ, to the teaching of Christ. If we take the teaching of Christ and build it into our life, the Bible says that we are building on a solid foundation and that when trials come, our life will stand firm and stand secure. This morning, I just want to share with you four basic elements from this text that will help us to understand the importance of a solid foundation in our life. First of all, we need to understand that this passage is addressed to all who have an opportunity to hear the Word of God. If you're here this morning, you are having an opportunity to receive the teaching of God's Word. Verse 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. So if you in your life have had the privilege of being exposed to the light of God's truth, you have a God-given blessing, but you also have a God-given responsibility. This passage is about two kinds of hearers, therefore it is about two kinds of people. One in this parable is described as wise. One is described as foolish. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It is possible to hear the Word of God and respond appropriately. It is possible to hear the Word of God and not respond appropriately. And the outcome in both of these lives, in this parable, is dramatic indifference. They both had the same experience. They both face severe testing. But the outcome of the testing, on the other side of the trial, things look completely different. How true is that in our lives? When we heed the Word of God, listen to it, obey it, build upon the foundation of it, how different our lives go. And so the parable addresses everyone who has this privilege of hearing. Each hearer of God's Word therefore has a God-given responsibility. Hearing is essential, but hearing the Word of God is not enough to change your life. Knowing the Word of God is not enough to change your life. So perhaps today you came saying, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to challenge you to go one step further. Say to God, God, I want to hear from you. But I want to do what you say. I want to do what you say. So it is addressed to everyone who has an opportunity to hear. Secondly, the person who hears and obeys God's word in this text is described as wise. The person who hears God's word and obeys it is described as wise. In the King James Version, it puts this in a very interesting way. The beginning of verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and the King James says this, and does them. It's a fascinating statement, isn't it? Because what it indicates very clearly is that the Word of God is not to be received as stagnant information. One plus one equals two. No. The Word of God is to be received with an eye on acting upon it. Not just knowing it, but knowing it and then allowing that knowledge to move me to very specific steps and activities and actions in my life. It is those who do them. NIV says those who put them into practice. 
you find a parallel to this passage in James chapter 1, about verse 22. It says, don't simply be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers also. Okay, so that there is this continuity throughout Scripture between hearing, knowing, and then living out the word of God in my life. So my challenge you to this morning is this, arising out of this text, it is one thing to hear the word of God. There was a multitude of people that heard the word of God, but Jesus anticipated two different distinct outcomes, one of devastation, one of stability and blessing when trials come. And the difference would be experienced by those who would obey the word of God. Many people have looked at the Sermon on the Mount and observed that it is some of the most glorious moral teaching that has ever been given. Very subtly, you find someone who has dramatic disagreements with Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. It's been studied by many. But R.T. France made this observation. He said, the teaching of this sermon on the mount is not to be admired. It is to be, can you guess the next word? Obeyed. See, folks, it's one thing to look at the teaching of Christ and say, how beautiful is that? How wonderful, how wise, how insightful. But if I simply admire the teaching of Christ and never make decisions to put it into practice in my life, I'm like the foolish builder who knows that a good foundation would be very smart and is essential, but I refuse to lay it because I'm interested in getting the structure up. One other writer put it this way. He said, it is one thing to hear what Jesus says, and even to approve of what Jesus says. But it is another, quite different, to obey. Now this, by, this word, this text, clearly calls us to hear the truth of God's word and then to deploy it into our lives on a daily basis. That is clearly the call of this text. Each hearer has a responsibility to apply it in their daily life. What does this mean? It means to obey in terms of total surrender and radical conformity. Total surrender. Lord, whatever it is that you say to me through your word, I'll do it. And I want you to transform my life, to conform my life to the teaching of your moral principles and absolutes. Now, let me just quickly give you a, in a sense, a summary of the teachings that are here. Jesus gives truth concerning holiness. He gives truth concerning conflict resolution. He gives truth concerning moral purity. He gives truth concerning marriage, husband-wife relationships. He gives truth concerning loving your enemies, fleeing from lust, being generous, praying, overcoming judgmentalism, radical self-service. Those are the kinds of things that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. In one sense, we could respond to that and say... Don't you think that the teachings of Jesus are somewhat restrictive? Aren't there a lot of do's and don'ts in the teaching of Christ? And, and we could think of the Word of God as something that is restrictive. But I, I would beg of you to hear it in a different way. Because Jesus says, I've laid out these things. Now, if you do them, you will be blessed in your life. If you don't, your life will experience calamity and trouble. Is it restrictive? Well, let me ask you this question. Is the seatbelt law restrictive? Are speed limit signs restrictive? Yes. 
Are drug laws restrictive? Answer all those questions? Yes. If you picked up your newspaper last Monday morning, you read about a 19-year-old girl who was in a tragic accident that took her life. And if you're like me, when you read a story like that, you know what I'm looking for? What's the first question that comes to your mind? Someone slides off the road, hits a tree, hits a rock, something like that. What's the first question in your mind? I wonder if they had their seatbelt on. In this case, the answer was no. Well, isn't the seatbelt law restrictive? Yeah. But if you're in an accident, I can tell you something. You'd be glad you had it on. How many of you have ever had the experience of driving down the road in a situation where you got in your car fast, didn't put your seatbelt on, someone almost pulls out in front of you? How do you feel? I know how I feel. I feel like exposed. And the first you start reaching for the seatbelt and you get it plugged in. And when you get it plugged in, what, what do you get? You get a sense of protection, right? That which is restrictive brings blessing. Okay? All of us have dealt with people who have become addicted to substances because they didn't obey the law. And their life is being torn apart because in obeying the law, they would have built a solid foundation. In disobeying the law, they put their lives in jeopardy. And when the storms of life come, the house crumbles. Why? It is not built on a solid foundation. Now folks, I would challenge you. Read through Matthew 5-7 through 7 and ask yourself, how is my life not in conformity with the Word of God that is revealed? Even take it a step further. In your own daily life, ask yourself, am I living, obeying, applying the Word of God that I already know to the decisions that I face on a daily basis? In the context of our marriages, am I doing what I know the Word of God says that I should do, even though at times it feels restrictive? Children, are you obeying your parents in the Lord because it is right, even though it is restrictive? It will bring the blessing of God in your life. I've never had a child come to me and say, you know what, I have, or an adult come to me and say, you know, there's one thing I'm sorry that I did in my life. I obeyed my parents. Never had someone come and say that. I've never had someone come to me and say, you know what, I'm sorry that I have followed what the Word of God teaches about moral practices in my life. Never had that happen. The life is standing strong on the foundation. I have had many people come to me. I have had experiences in my own life where I know that I have ignored the foundation, the solid foundation of God's Word. And when troubles come, I can't take it. Why? Because I'm building my life on a sloppy foundation or on sand rather than on the bedrock truth of the Word of God. My friends, this morning, I, I want to just beg with you to live what you know of God's Word because when you do, you are laying a solid foundation for your life. It is so tempting to want an unrestricted life. So tempting. I want to challenge you to live the Word of God that you know. Don't resist what God is saying to you. The third truth that I would like to impress upon you this morning is this. God's word, his truth, is never successfully ignored. Okay? His word is never successfully ignored. Is it ignored? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is it ever 
Can you successfully bypass God and find stability and growth in your life by ignoring God? Look at verse 26. In, in the middle of this paragraph, you find Jesus contrasting a wise builder and a foolish builder. Verse 26. Now remember, remembering that verses uh, 24 and 25 are about the person who builds on a rock. Verse 26 starts with that ominous word in Scripture, but, which whenever there's something really good and you find the word but, it's usually going to be giving you a contrast. Someone that follows the Word of God, obeys the Word of God, puts it into practice in their life, experiences the blessing of God. But, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Okay, now what is that referring to? It's referring to a gap between what one knows and what one does. Now, in counseling with people, here's what I find. Pastor, I know what God says about this, but, but. After the but, what we should put is this. If I knowingly ignore God's will, his demands, and his practice, I am like a foolish man, verse 26 towards the end, who is building his house on sand. Then what happens? The normal pressures of life come, and the pressures are unavoidable. Pressure comes into the life of people who seek to do the will of God and build a strong life for the glory of God. Pressure comes into the life of those who blatantly ignore the revealed will of God. But the outcome of trouble, of life, of pressure, of weather in life is what Jesus is pointing to. Notice how he says it at the end of this verse. The one who does not put them into practice is likened to someone who would build a house on sand. The rain comes, the streams rise, the winds blow and beat against that house and it falls. And notice how he, he amps it up for emphasis. In the one case, the house stands. The assumption is they get to live in it and they're secure. But the person that builds their house on sand is pummeled by the same circumstances and their life collapses. And Jesus says, and great is the fall of it. Why? Because it is a harsher reality, a harsher struggle to know the truth and not do it and experience calamity than it is to not know the truth and fall. Because if you know what God says and dismiss it and then experience trouble in your life, the first thing that comes to your mind was, what a fool I was to ignore what God is saying to me. And folks, that is exactly the point that Jesus is coming to here. Jesus wants us to close the gap between hearing the Word of God and doing the Word of God. The way we close the gap is this. We build a bridge called obedience between our lives and the truth of God's Word. And when we do, the storms of life will come. But the house of our life will not fall with a great fall. Why? Because it is being built upon basic principles of obedience and submission and conformity to the Word of God in every aspect of our lives. A verse that comes to mind when I think about these kinds of principles is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge Him. What does that mean? That means in every decision you face, moral 
ethical, whatever the kind of decision is, in every decision, in your marriage, in relationship to your parents, in every decision, you, you will have a predisposition to go in a certain direction. And what the Word of God is saying is, trust God enough that when you're facing points of decision in your daily life, which we all do, look to God. Consciously close the gap between what you know and how you live. And you close the gap by conscious, willing obedience to the revealed truth of the Word of God. Folks, I think one of the biggest problems in the church today, I think there is a big problem with biblical illiteracy, but I think there is a bigger problem with the lack of applying the truth of God's Word to our daily life. Knowing God's Word will not make a difference in your life. That is knowing it in and of itself. Studying the Word of God in and of itself will not necessarily change your life. Unless you are committed to say, Lord, what you reveal to me, I will follow. The wisdom of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, acknowledge Him and He will what? He'll make your path straight. He'll eliminate moral confusion from your life. And I think I can show you over and over in the Word of God. I read it for you from Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3. The one who takes the Word of God and puts it into practice is like a tree planted beside streams of living water. The leaf never withers, and whatsoever that person does, it prospers. They experience the blessing of God. But you know why we have struggles in relationships? the church conflict kind of stuff or interpersonal struggles in the workplace struggles within our marriages parent-child relationship issues you know why because we fail to obey the word of god we fail to do what we know that god through his word is revealing to us and what i want to impress upon you this morning is this you can't successfully ignore god's word you can't successfully ignore god's word in any area of your life I want you to look with me at the last two verses of this chapter, which are amazing. And they add, if you will, gravity to what Jesus is saying. Verse 28 says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, okay, what is he doing? He's revealing exactly what you and I have before us to read. When he finished saying these things, the crowds were what? They were amazed at his teaching. They were awestruck. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority. He had, there, were, there was gravity, weightiness to his words, not as the teachers of the law. What are they saying? That as they listened to the teaching of Jesus, they felt within them a compulsion, a calling, a draw to do what? To say yes to God. To say yes to God. And this morning as we prepare to close this part of our service, my challenge to you is this. Are you willing to look at the words of Christ and realize that when I read this book, when I hear this book, when I listen to it, that it is, it is the Word of God. It carries gravity. It has weight. It has authority. And if I will use this to be the foundation upon which I build my life, then my life will be blessed by God. I do not mean that monetarily. I mean that morally in your relationships. As you submit yourself to the truth of what God is, God's Word is saying, you will begin to experience what the crowds experience when they listen to the words of Christ. He teaches like one who has authority. And you'll be reading the Word of God about parenting, 
about a child's relationship to mom and dad, about marriage, about relationships within the body of Christ, about how to respond in the workplace when there's conflict. And you're going to begin to think, this word sounds right. It sounds authoritative. And the Spirit of God will take it and apply it and impress it upon your heart and call you to adjust your life to the truth that is revealed in this book. And folks, the bottom line is this. I can live my life as a fool, know the truth, but not do it. Or I can say, you know what, God? I want to be wise in your eyes. So I am going to listen to the truth of your word and do it with all of my heart. Now, folks, for some of you, that will mean dramatic change. Dramatic change. The question is, am I willing to undergo that kind of surgery in order to become the person that God wants me to be? The way I would challenge you this morning is this. Look into your heart and ask yourself, God, what is the primary area of disobedience in my life? Just ask God to show that to you. We're going to bow for a few moments before we receive the Lord's table this morning. The Bible tells us that the purpose of coming to the Lord's table is for us to examine our lives. How do I examine my life? Well, I can do it on the basis of opinion. I can talk to friends about my relational struggles and get their feeling, their opinion, and they'll kind of schmooze a little bit and make me feel okay. This morning, here's what I want you to do. Take your life and allow the searchlight of God's truth to come in and say to God as you bow quietly before Him this morning, Lord, show me Have the courage to say to God, show me one area in my life that you want to change. One solid foundation stone for my life that you want to lay today. And my challenge to you this morning would be this. Before you come to receive the elements, do that kind of heart business with God. Don't look at the totality of your life. Make a decision to say, God, if you show me an area in my life where I am out of conformity with your truth, I will change that today. And here's what I can guarantee you will happen. All the other issues in your life that you need to address will start to pop up on the screen. And as you choose to obey, God, in each area, His blessed truth will come. The authority of Christ will be present in your life and you will begin to experience change and strength in your life. Whoever hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and puts them into practice. So what is it that God right now is saying to you? What area of your life is he touching and saying, you know, I want to change this so that you can stand firm and face the storms of life more effectively and for my glory? What is the issue this morning that the Lord wants to address for you? Jillian's going to play for us. And I just want to invite you in the quietness of your seat where you are just to bow your head this morning, to close your eyes, Just to imagine yourself in a quiet chapel all alone before God. I want to challenge you to have the courage to look into your heart and life this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and the word from God that's coming to your mind is repent and believe the gospel. Maybe this morning you've never trusted Christ. You need to come to the cross this morning. Maybe the gap you need to close is the gap between where you are and where God is. And you need to come across the bridge that is the cross of Christ. You need to repent of your sin and confess simple faith and trust in the shed blood of Christ alone. My dear friend, I want to encourage you. 
If you've never done that, don't come and receive the elements of the Lord's table. Don't receive elements that speak of forgiveness while rejecting it. Instead, I would challenge you, come to the front. Find me up front here. I would be delighted to pray with you this morning and to lead you to repentance and faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, if that's your need today. And my Christian friend this morning, the challenge is very simple. In the quietness of your heart, ask God to turn on the searchlight of truth. Find the sin that is hidden. Find the area of willful rebellion. And confess it to God today. And when you do, you will sense that the foundation of your life is becoming stronger and surer. As you do His Word in your life. Father, help us to examine our hearts this morning. And after we've done that, to come and receive these elements that talk about the glorious forgiveness that you have for us. Lord, anyone in this room this morning that finds a known area of rebellion in their heart can simply come to you as their Savior and Lord and say, God, today I look to the cross and I confess my sin and I put it under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not to coddle sin. Help us to confess it and to confront it as we prepare to receive these elements of the Lord's table this morning. Bless us as we seek to honor you in this communion service. 